Welcome to Women Influencers in Business and CRE. I am Veronica Malolas, CCIM, founder and CEO of Capital Stack Real Estate Group, a commercial real estate company serving the greater Orlando area. Today, my guest is Agnes Rivera, CCIM, a fabulous broker and leader in the commercial real estate industry. Before we begin, please don't forget to hit that thumbs up button and subscribe below so you don't miss the next episodes. I welcome your comments and please share with someone who can benefit from this podcast. Agnes built her career in Puerto Rico since the 90s as a woman in commercial real estate, particularly a minority woman like me. She experienced many layers of challenges in her career. Listen in as she talks about how she overcame those challenges, how the CCIM education and the various mentorships she received helped propel her career. Get ready to be inspired by my dear friend and colleague, Agnes Rivera. Hello, Agnes. How are you? I'm doing great, Veronica. How are you today? I am good. I'm in Florida and it's super hot and humid. Now you are in Hawaii right now, aren't you? Yes, I am. I'm in Hawaii today. I'm six hours behind you. I know. Thank you so much. I know you probably just got up and got ready for this podcast. So I do appreciate that so much. Don't worry about it. I'm used to it. (laughs) Yeah. You're such a traveler and and such a, a great woman of influence. So I'm so, so very happy to have you on my podcast today. No, it's my honor. Well, you're here because I wanted people to hear your fabulous story about growing up in Puerto Rico and then eventually ending up in Hawaii and being such a successful commercial real estate woman. So tell us about your story. I'd I'd love to hear it. Thank you. First of all, thank you for having me on our podcast. I've seen who your previous guests have been, and I am honored to be considered in the same category. They're all fabulous role models for women in commercial real estate. And so are you. Thank you. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. As you know, I went to school there. I went to college in the States for a short while, but then I returned and I worked in Puerto Rico my my whole life until fairly recently. I've only been here in Hawaii for a few years and I am still in the transition process. I, I do spend quite a bit of time in Puerto Rico still, but like a lot of people, I started out in residential real estate in the 90s. Ah. And back then it was a completely different world. Tell us a little bit about the 90s when interest rates were so high. Yes, interest rates were high, but people were not scandalized by it because Uh it's just the normal. We have recently become so used to the low, low, low interest rates. That's right. That now people consider 6% high. When back then, the normal was 8%, even 10% and 11% sometimes. Um, But it was very different, not just because of interest rates, but because the internet was just starting out. Oh, look at that. (laughs) That's great. Our listing appointments, we had to go with a camera, take pictures on film and have them developed. And then we would walk around with three ring binders. And on those three ring binders, we would have all of the property information and the printed out pictures of the properties that we would show our clients. So how old were you when you became a real estate agent? Oh, I was in my late 20s. Okay. I was in my late 20s. I I had already been working for about 10 years. 
And I used to be a marketing manager for Simmons Caribbean. So I came from the corporate world. I see. And that probably made it a little bit easier to transition from residential to commercial. Is that correct? That might even have been one of the reasons. Oh, so tell us about that. Okay, so I was working for a large commercial, um, I mean, commercial and residential uh, agency in Puerto Rico. I had about 200 agents, wow. five offices, and I worked residential, high-end residential in the San Juan, Condado, Ocean Park areas. Yeah. I was sitting at the reception desk one day mm-hmm. after six years of working residential, and a businessman walked in. Suit and tie, very professional. He was the president of a pharmaceutical company in wow. Puerto Rico. And they needed an office in the metropolitan sure. area and asked me if I could help him find an office. Now, back then, I was probably supposed to refer that to the commercial department, uh-huh. but I was missing the corporate world oh. so much. Right. I really missed wearing a suit every day and going into an office. I think I saw that maybe as an opportunity to get a little bit of that back working oh. with a pharmaceutical company. So I said, yes, no fear, no fear. No idea what I was doing. There was no YouTube or anywhere to go and, and, and get educated on commercial real estate. So I kind of like faked it till I made it. Yeah. I started calling up offices that would hang up on me because I didn't know the right questions to ask. Until I met a very kind landlord mm-hmm. who asked me over the phone, you don't know anything about commercial real estate, do you? And I said, no. And he said, how have the other landlords been treating you? I said, terrible. And then he said, come tomorrow to my office at nine o'clock. And he sat with me for two hours wow. and gave me the basics. And then he ended up giving me a job. And I worked as his in-house real estate broker for about 10 years, 10 or 12 wow. years. Isn't that amazing how sometimes because you are fearless in taking a bold step in a direction yes. that might be obscure to you, that because you exerted yourself and effort, mm-hmm. yes, somebody recognized it and opened the door for you. So yes. that's wonderful. So is that where you actually developed your commercial real estate career? Yes, I started working with him in 2004. He owned about a million square feet of office and and retail space. Mm. And he was tired of dealing with 20, 30 brokers at the same time. So he said, I'm looking for somebody to work for me full time in Mm -hmm. my office and kind of be that in between between me and all of these uh, brokers. And that came just at the right time, because as you know, 2007, 2007, and eight, when the market crashed, I, I was on a full, I had a full-time job yeah. that I really exactly. enjoyed and it was in commercial real estate. I, I was completely honest with him. And I told him, I don't know anything about commercial real estate when I started. And he said, don't worry about it. The commercial part, I can teach you. That's awesome. Uh, I need somebody like you who's bilingual, who has corporate experience. I need someone like you and I'll teach you the commercial part. Right. And so you consider him to be your mentor. He was a mentor. He was very much a mentor. I had never thought of him that way, but yes, he was. He was a mentor. And if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't be here. Sure. And you worked for him for 10 years. I was an in-house broker, yes. 
who was it who encouraged you to get your CCIM, which by the way, for listeners who are not familiar with CCIM, it's Certified Commercial Investment Member, which is a designation considered to be the global standard for excellence in commercial real estate. Very tough work. So I worked for several years without even knowing that CCIM existed. Mm. But I knew deep down inside that there was a lot that I did not know. Mm. And I think the turning point was when I was negotiating a lease for a large Fortune 500 firm. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name, but it was a large Fortune 500 firm. I would say about 20,000 square feet of office space. And they flew in to Puerto Rico go their whole real estate department. So Mm. I was sitting in a conference room with seven or eight men who were experts at commercial real estate who were negotiating Mm. these. And they were speaking a language that I did not understand. Sure. I felt so lost during that meeting. And every time they would talk about usable square feet and rentable square feet or TIs, I would run into my office. I had a little BlackBerry and I was like, uh-huh, yeah, I remember me. those yeah, days. I was like, excuse me, I have to answer this call. And I would <laughs> run into my office and Google whatever it was they were talking about. And then as soon as they left, I said, I cannot go on like this. Sure. That is the worst feeling being yeah. in a boardroom and not knowing what's going on. Right. So I Googled commercial real estate education. I did know a CCIM who had talked to me about CCIM. And I said, I have to do this. I have to do this because I am not going to go through this again. Yeah. Because in Puerto Rico, we didn't have the classes available to us. Back then, most people from Puerto Rico had to travel to the mainland to get the CCIM education. Yeah. And I signed up for the 101 in Pembroke Pines, Florida. Uh-huh. And my instructor was Robin Webb, past president uh-huh. of CCIM Institute and Blaine Strickland. And my intention was only to do the 101 and get the basics just for my own knowledge. Sure. However, once I sat through the first day of classes, I said, what kind of magic is this? And why didn't I do this sooner? And I was uh, hooked. And then I wow. was hooked. And then I ended up doing the whole process. And when did you get designated and get pinned as a CCIM? I got my designation in 2012. Mm-hmm. It took me a few years because, like I said, I had to take a whole week off from work. Yes. Travel and do it. So I got my designation in 2012. And in 2013, I became the president of the Puerto Rico chapter. Congratulations. That's so amazing. Thank you. And then, well, it's a very small chapter. (laughs) Still. I was president for two years. And then I got involved in national leadership. Somebody tapped me on the shoulder and asked me to volunteer. And that's how I got started in, in my volunteer leadership journey. I did it backwards. Most people start volunteering for NAR and then move into their designation or institute. I started out volunteering for CCIM and then kind of worked backwards from there and started volunteering for NAR. Oh, NAR, the National Association of Realtors for those who, yeah, yes. to those who are not familiar with it. But eventually you owned your own brokerage, correct? Yes. I was very happy at my job and I loved what I did, but 
2013, because of what was going on in the banking industry in Puerto Rico, the bank ended up owning most of the portfolio that I managed. And the bank, they already have their departments that manage these properties. So that's when I decided to open up my own brokerage. And uh, I I had been in the industry for many years already. And and I had a portfolio of clients. I did a lot of consulting. And I also, thanks to my CCIM education, was mentoring other agents that wanted to start in commercial real estate. And I even did a lot of uh, work for them in terms of presentations, comparative lease analysis. And and that was another form of income for me at the wow. time. That that's that's really amazing. And and I know that Puerto Rico itself as a geographic area, a beautiful island, I've been to once and I look forward to going again, has had quite a bit of natural disasters. Yes. That have gone through the island, some big hurricanes that devastated the island. Now tell me a little bit about that and how. It affected your business, affected your brokerage, your career. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yes, the commercial real estate industry, of course, was affected by it. Of course. Um, When the hurricane came through, Hurricane Maria, I had a property under contract before the hurricane. Uh After the hurricane, that property did not exist anymore. (laughs) Wow. Totally wiped out? yeah, Yeah, yeah. Well, the structure was still there. But, you know, everything was gone. It was it was a very hard time. That was when I was also I think that's when I was chair of the commercial leadership forum, vice chair of the commercial leadership forum. And NAR that year decided to make that the topic for the D.C. meetings. That that was what was going to be discussed. So we had Cynthia Shelton, uh, CCIM, who is also from Florida and a past president of the Institute. She was another, she was a speaker speaking about Florida. I was speaking um, about Puerto Rico. And then we had also somebody who had been through the floods in Texas and because, because it's, uh, it affected the industry so much. Oh my goodness. I can't even imagine. I mean, I'm from Orlando, well, South of Orlando, but the greater Orlando area. And there have been many hurricanes that have gone through my area. And I know how tough it is, especially for us who live in an area that is devastated by natural disasters. And also because our careers are based on real estate, which is, of course, physically Mm -hmm. sometimes devastated, damaged and affected by by these. So I wanted to move on and. Well, before I do that, let me ask you. So how did you end up being in Hawaii? Well, I met someone. <laughs> yes, when I, was volunteering for, when I was volunteering for CCIM Institute, I met my current boyfriend, Leon Coach, who's the past president of CCIM Institute. Mm-hmm. And we started dating long distance, which worked perfectly for us at the time, because we both ran commercial real estate businesses. We were busy with volunteer projects. So, you know, we were working 24 seven. And then once a month, we would meet either at real estate meetings, which was maybe six or seven a year between Mm -hmm. our National Association of Realtors and CCIM. 
Sure. That right there is about seven meetings a year. Yeah. And then whenever we didn't have meetings to meet up, we would come up with a different city in the United States where we could meet, meet in the middle. I see. And so you made the decision to yeah. go ahead and move to Hawaii, not yet permanently, but but yeah, you're in the process. Course, but I'm, I'm mostly here now. And it was after the big hurricane that kind yeah. of like accelerated the decision. Wow. Yeah. And I know Leo, what a great guy. So I'm just so <laughs> happy for blessed. both of you. Yes. yes. And he is very blessed to have you. I'm sure. Oh, he yeah. He's the lucky one. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So now I'm going to ask you about if there was one challenge that you can think of that you have overcome. If you could share how you overcame that, that would be so awesome. Yes. Well, I think as women, Mm-hmm. And you and I, as minority women, right. have special challenges, right. especially in the commercial real estate industry. As you know, there was a recent study, and uh, it turns out only a third commercial real estate practitioners are women. Yeah, and out of that third, women make less than than men. Yeah, like yeah. the the gap in commissions. I think it's about fifty percent. Fifty percent is the gap. And and it happened to me. Like I, I have I have so many stories. We could probably be here for five hours. <laughs> one of one of the most obvious was there was a building that had for sale sign, a commercial building. I called up the agent and he said, Okay, but my commission split is 2575. So you mm-hmm. only get 25%. So said, how could that be? That doesn't make any sense. I, I have a qualified buyer. No, it's 25%. So I called up another CCIM colleague and he said, no, I just showed that building to my client and my commission split is 50-50. So that is tough. And that is something that, and it was not that long ago either that we had to overcome. I've had clients also ask me if there's a man that works in my office because they feel more comfortable working. So common. So very common. Once you start, I think it's like a process, right? The first few times you're just in shock. Right. Then as it happens again, you start getting a little bit angrier. Uh-huh. And, and there comes a point where you just say, no. Yeah. No. Absolutely I am not. Broker, I am a professional. I'm doing a good job getting you these properties and negotiating on your behalf. If you want to go to a different agent, that's fine but I will not bring in a man into this deal just so that there is a man representing you. That's right. And once, once, I think you have to get to that point, especially if you're like a nice person that doesn't want to offend your client. Yeah. Once you do it, like you only, you do it the first time and then it just becomes part of who you are. That's right. That's right. So you actually had to lean in a little bit more or actually fight for your place. Is that how you overcame that challenge? Yes. Yes. I think at the beginning, I I was just afraid that I would lose the client. This one in particular was a referral from another CCIM in Nevada for a hospitality deal. Before I said no, I Mm. did call the referring broker and say, listen, I don't want to put the deal in danger, sure. but this is what's going on. Do I have your blessing to be a little bit tough with this client? And sure. he said, absolutely. 
I apologize. I had no idea that would happen. You do whatever you have to do. I'll, I'm behind you. Wow. That, that's pretty awesome because the truth is we may be fearless and bold in trying to overcome a challenge, but most of the time it also takes a village, right? People yes. who would support you, support us to say, go ahead, do what you need to do so that you can claim your stake in whatever it is that you do. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. It takes a village and it takes mentors. That's right. And I've been so lucky to have so many brilliant women in commercial real estate to look up to. Some of them have been on your podcast, yes. like Vieta and Dina, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but also women who are past presidents of the Institute, like Cynthia so, Shelton, yep. and even past instructors that I had for CCIM Institute, like Susie Jones-Walker, who taught me you know, my value and to charge for what I'm worth. Oh, that's amazing. And not forgetting, of course, male mentors as well, because I believe personally, Agnes, if we're kind of having a conversation about this, Robin Webb, you've mentioned him earlier, was my mentor, still is. Yep. Ben Crosby, who, of course, is a big name in in land real estate. Ben Crosby is wonderful. When I was chapter president and I was putting together a CCIM class in Puerto Rico, I was having a hard time getting quorum. Ben flew his own plane to Puerto Rico to participate in the class just so that I could have quorum and the class didn't have to be canceled. That's that's the kind of family that you find at the CCIM Institute. And once you start volunteering and you start making that network, because it's super important to have a team around you and have a network. And once you start developing that network, you meet people like Robin and like Ben, who will do something like that for you because they believe in what you're doing. That's right. And I always really just want to make sure that listeners understand that even though this is a male dominated industry, and generally speaking, business is male dominated, we really have to make sure that they're in our corner, make them understand what our challenges are. And, and frankly, this is the reason why I'm having this podcast is perhaps somebody might stumble and stumble upon it and listen to it and perhaps change their mindset if they were male or female. Exactly. So yes, it's it's so important to have both female and male mentors who are just so important in building our careers. So I wanted to move on and ask you about influence. I know you're a leader. As a matter of fact, I met you because we both serve in the CCIM committee. You're my chair this year for diversity, equity, and inclusion in CCIM Institute. And I look up to you because you've been around for so long. You're so willing to share your knowledge and your wisdom about a lot of things about commercial real estate. And I know you've exercised quite a bit of influence in the people that have been around you, most especially, I would imagine, when you were two years president of the Puerto Rico CCIM chapter. So tell me a little bit about that, how you really helped other people as others have helped you. Thank you. Well, first of all, I think it all starts 
with being humble and recognizing that the reason I am where I am today is because I had people who helped me, right? I had people that I could pick up the phone and ask them a question, um, that network that I was talking about. Always, You always have to have a banker and a, a commercial real estate appraiser, uh, right. A retail specialist, an industrial specialist, somebody that you can go to. And I wanted to pay it forward. And also CCIM Institute really changed my life. It took my career to another level, right? Once I became once I became a CCIM, that was a game changer. You know, I was at a, a one level and then after my CCIM, it just kind of like took off yeah, and yeah. I wanted to spread the gospel. And I always told people like, I don't get a commission for this, but, yeah. but this could do so much for your career. Right. And I started volunteering and trying to grow the chapter and also trying to bring the classes to Puerto Rico so that people who could not afford to travel five separate trips to the mainland to get your designation to give them the the opportunity to get the education as well. So one of my goals was to get as many new designees as possible. So tell me about that. Uh, How did you grow the chapter to have been able to get more designees? Well, during, during the years that I was president, We usually had at each meeting, we usually had two or three new designees at each meeting. Um, So that was about four or five designees per year, which for Puerto was a lot. It is. Um, And and we were able to get that, um, that feed into the chapter. Unfortunately, because of everything that's going on in Puerto Rico, we have had quite a few CCIMs move out, including myself, but it's still a goal that I have. And even in my volunteering now, uh, as you know, we have been together in the international committee and the diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. Mm -hmm. And the goal is the same to, to expand the network and to get more people educated. Yeah. And I'm sure that there are a lot of stories of individuals who probably called you their mentor And also that I've, you unknowingly, I'm sure, because of the effort that you put in, in trying to expand the offerings of CCIM in Puerto Rico, that you have actually launched some careers, just like it launched yours, right? And and your career took off. So thank you for, for doing that. I think that oftentimes we forget how much we matter with the things that we do. And like you said, we really do it out of just giving back and and having the humility, but we often forget that you deserve a thank you. So that's what I'm telling you. Thank you. Thank you. you. Everybody wants to leave a legacy, right? Yeah. And uh, in my case, I do not have children. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I feel like it's my responsibility to mentor and to leave a legacy after I'm gone, you know, to have uh, other people say that I made a difference in their lives. That would be everything. Uh, Let me tell you, Agnes, and since you and I are speaking today, your friendship means a lot to me. When we actually see each other 
at a conference and you're just so welcoming and so loving. That's the word for you. So generous in your time and your ideas. I want to say that I appreciate you so much because I appreciate you too. Because if you, if you've given me that, I'm sure that there are hundreds of people that you've come across that you've also given that to. So, so I want to just did not want to be remiss and not say that because I think you deserve that. Well, if there was one piece of advice that you would want to give to the listeners of this episode of the podcast, what would that be, Agnes? Oh, one piece of advice. I think what I just said about having a network, it's very important, especially if you're starting out, surround yourself with people from the industry. Don't be afraid to ask questions. And if you don't know something, don't do what I did, you know, make an excuse and go Google it. Just (laughs) just be honest, you know, and I've found that most people want to be helpful. Yeah. And if you just admit, listen, I am just starting out. I don't know what you're talking about. Could you please explain that to me? Not everybody's going to be open and accepted, but most people will. Also, this one's particularly for for your female audience. Never dumb yourself down to make others around you feel comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. Once you get to a certain point in your career where you're educated, where you have experience, there's a big chance that when you go into a meeting, you might be the smartest person in the room or you might be just Mm -hmm. as smart as everybody else. But for some reason, you, you know, you, you still might be a little bit intimidated just, you know, from that old uh, experience from when you were just starting out might come to the surface. So just be very confident, be assertive and, uh, and just be honest and honest human, you know, just have that confidence that you can do this. Wow. I love that, Agnes. Really, I, I do love that because oftentimes as women, it I think it's natural for us to be accommodating, to try to make us feel like we're serving rather than we're leading. Yeah. Right. But as capable as we are, like you said, it's OK. It's yeah. OK to lead. It's OK to be bold. It's OK to have no fear like you. Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Now, I'm sorry, you you wanted oh, no, to... No, and I was going to say like something that just popped into my head. This is advice for everybody who's in the commercial real estate business. And it's a big mistake that I made many, many times when I was starting out. Find out who the decision maker is in a deal as soon as possible. Yes. Because oftentimes when you're working with a corporation instead of an individual, mm-hmm. they might send an assistant ahead to gather information and you might spend all this time selling to this person who has absolutely no decision making yes and you just lost so much time so try to find out who the actual decision maker is as early in the deal as possible yeah that yeah that's that's definitely good advice I always tell my team whenever they tell me oh Veronica we have this transaction we could do. I always say, are you talking to the decision maker? Exactly. Yes. Because and if you're starting out, really, that's not an easy one to discern, discern, right? Because you don't know how to ask the right questions. But yes, that is absolutely good advice, Agnes, good advice. So we've come to the part of the podcast where you can ask me one question. 
And I didn't know whether you actually had thought about this question. And, and I'm so sorry. We can we can pause actually no, because no, no. okay, all right. That that's fine because like you said, I have known you for several years. We have been in same committee together at CCM Institute. And I have also attended your meetings at NAR Commercial, where you have been the the vice chair or, or the chair, and I have been there to support you as well. And we might have kind of like a similar path in the in the industry and the sure. same passion for, for volunteering. Sure. This is a question that I get a lot, but I would like to hear your answer. Okay. How do you balance your professional life and your volunteer life? Do you feel like one takes away from the other? And do you see yourself continuing this path? That's a very good question. And certainly a question that everyone in the volunteer world should be asking themselves all the time. And I'll tell you, I live a life, and you know, of course, Stephen Covey is my best, best sort of author that I, I've read all of his books, right? Great motivator. Yeah, and I, and I used to have the the Blackberry, what, what do you call yes. it? The 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 planner that, that he used to have. Can't even remember the name I of it. His, so I had his about. motivational tapes. <laughs> yes. And I will tell you that everything that I do is based on the big rocks, little rocks principle of Stephen Covey. And if some of you who are listening have never heard of that, just Google Stephen Covey and maybe put in big rocks and little rocks and you'll you'll see a short video of him illustrating that. And it's so amazing to me how he sort of made this metaphor or this picture about you putting your big rocks in the jar first and the jar being your calendar, right? The time, you cannot, you cannot, make more time. Time is static. It's it's what it is. It's all you have, right? So the big rocks would actually represent what is most important to you. And to me, that would be family. And at this stage of my career or a stage of my life, I'm mature. I'm probably a lot older than you, but, and, and I've said this on the podcast, I'm 60. So at this stage of my life, I really want to go on a lot of vacations because my husband is also older. And so while we're young and healthy, young and healthy, we'd like to do more vacationing. So those are the things that go in my calendar first, the big rocks. And then the small rocks, right, would be work because we have to do work and we have to be able to take care of our customers, take care of our team, take care of everything else, right? And then the little rocks would be my volunteer work. And it almost seems like I do a lot of it. But frankly, the reason why I really, really love to volunteer with large organizations like the National Association of Realtors and CCIM Institute is because the the meetings are are really very high level. We have good staff that support us. And so it doesn't really take up so much of our our calendar slots. And, And then, of course, there's the sand, which is just the little things that are their stuff, their busy stuff that you need to do. And it's, it, you're able to do that because you prioritize your big rocks, your little rocks, you know, the, and then the sand that goes into your calendar. So 
The volunteer life for me actually opened a lot of doors for me. However, I realized later on when I started in this industry, I volunteered a lot, became president of my local realtor association and then moved up in the state and then the National Association of Realtors, not because I wanted to, but because I was tapped on the shoulder like you were. Yeah. And ultimately, you want to really step back and say, okay, well, now that my career has gone to another level, and I also want to continue learning, right? So I spend a lot of time with, for instance, learning from women like you, listening to podcasts, signing up for more classes with CCIM, and also being able to deliver more to my team and my customers. I really just was very, very mindful and intentional with how I spend my time. So really that's that's the answer that I could share with you is the Stephen Covey, Big Rocks, Little Rocks principle. And I don't know if that's kind of what you do, but- I love something that you just said, and that is that you never stop learning. Yeah. You, you're always learning. And even when you mentor somebody, I see mentoring as a two-way street, yeah. right? Because uh, the industry keeps changing. And most of the time, you'll find that the younger agents that are just starting out have a pulse on the industry and yeah. on the latest technological trends that I, I'm 53. Maybe we are not as familiar with. So I see mentoring as a two-way street oh, where absolutely. I can use my experience to help a younger agent. That younger agent can teach me a lot about right. social media marketing and, and about other things that are necessary in the industry now that maybe we didn't have when I started out. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely something that even, for instance, other podcast guests have mentioned about how mentoring is a two-way street. So totally agree with you, Agnes, on that. How do you balance your life when it comes to volunteering? A lot of traveling. My goodness, you're from the East Coast all the way out to the West Coast. And we're not just talking East Coast like Florida. We're talking Puerto Rico all the way out to Hawaii. (laughs) Well, like you said, when you volunteer for national leadership, we have been blessed with wonderful staff both at NAR and at CCIM Institute. We have yeah. wonderful staff yeah. and they really do a lot of the work. We yeah. as volunteers are there to give our expertise and to maybe manage a meeting as chairs or as liaisons or whatever position we're in that year. Staff yeah. really does help a lot. We're yeah. just there basically to give a direction to to the to the institute and input and ideas but in terms of time i also sometimes mix volunteering with my vacations right oh right yeah when when we have meetings at in at a fun interesting place we make a mini vacation out of it as well yeah. and i know a lot of volunteers do as well yeah i i know some ccim volunteers that make the annual conference their annual vacation. So they they travel with family, they stay a few extra days. So sometimes you can mix those two together. But like you said, always make time for family. Yeah. And make sure your clients are taken care of. Of course. The good part about our, our careers and in the industry, the real estate industry is I don't have to tell my clients where I am when I travel. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> they don't have to know. 
I've done deals from a hotel room in Vegas and they That's have, right. clients have no idea where I am. That's right. When we, when we had President's Circle in Vegas, I had a client call and say, hey, do you remember that office you showed me? I, I, I want it. And just, well, nowadays with um, email and DocuSign and you could... The smartphone, oh my goodness, it's like yeah. the best thing. <laughs> so I have done deals during meetings, during uh, conferences, and my, my clients never find out where I that that's I was there. Right. Yeah, and that's the beauty of, of, I think, the real estate industry in general, whether it's residential or commercial. We are able to, I think, make it a little bit easier for balancing. Yes. And so yeah. I appreciate, I really appreciate that that question. And the pandemic also made it more standard, like a yeah. little bit more normal to do everything virtually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Agnes, I want to thank you again for being such a lovely guest on my podcast. And, and I'm quite sure that people who are, would be listening to this episode are going to take away so much from what you've just shared, especially your story, my goodness, you know, and you're right, being a woman of color like you and like me, and so many other women out there that are trying to make it into a very male dominated industry, it is not easy, but they need to stay strong and focused and just rely on their network, as you had said, and Mm -hmm. be a part of a community that will not just further them, but they in turn can further others like you have. So thank you for being such a leader, for being such a role model to many and a role model to me, Agnes. I appreciate you so much. Oh. And I'm going to say aloha. Aloha. <laughs> is that a word for goodbye and hello? Aloha is a spirit that lives within all of us. Oh, wow. And it is also hello. It's goodbye. It means uh, good wishes. It means love. When you say this room is full of aloha, you know, it's full of, of love. Oh, so I want wow. to say gracias. Yes, that aloha. too. <laughs> and in my language, in my language, the word is mabuhay. And that is exactly like how you described aloha. So mabuhay to you. And thank you again for being my friend, Agnes. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. And thank you for doing this. Thank you. Have a good one. You too.